Hey everybody, welcome to Scrub Nation Podcast. It is Ryan Sharp and with me always is Todd Lancaster. Todd, what's up my man? Oh, you know, same old, same old, feeling good. Uh, Broncos didn't look too terrible, you know, we, we trending in the right direction in some areas. Uh, Dodgers actually stepped up and made a move, a couple of moves. Uh, so I'm, I'm feeling good now, you know, I'm, I'm not so angry at the sports world like I normally am. Yeah. Yeah. The Dodgers aren't, uh, aren't sitting on their hands anymore. Uh, yeah, you know, but you know, they're not signing, you know, quality people like my Texas Rangers are, but you know, it, uh, it is what it is. Hey, look, we make great players out of absolutely nothing. So imagine us taking solid players. What's going to happen with those? Hall of Fame guys. That's that's fair. That that I mean that's that's fair. Uh, you sent a picture the other day in our group chat um, about the 2017 Dodgers team and how many of them are left, and there was what two left out of that whole out of that whole there, lineup. There's three of them, and it's uh, it's Chris Taylor, Austin Barnes, and Clayton Kershaw. That's it. Yeah. The rest of the 17 team is gone. Got their that's, paycheck somewhere else. That's crazy. That is crazy. Yeah. And, uh, well, we'll kind of dive into some questions later on. Uh, this episode is going to be a little different um, as we transition, I think, into more of the sports podcast instead of just football podcast. Um, as football season kind of tends to get into the playoff a couple weeks and we'll talk playoff football, you know, as as it progresses and as it goes on. Uh, but now we get into more baseball offseason, basketball um, we're going to get back into soccer whenever that starts up after Christmas time, you know, so just, uh, more overall sports instead of just one sport. Um, but that being said, uh, I think we should start with some football since it's still, uh, kind of going on. Um, and the first thing that, um, I think everybody kind of was just waiting on, but the defending Super Bowl champs Rams are officially knocked out of the playoffs. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's disappointing. Uh, but um, if you just kind of look at everything that they've that they've I don't want to make excuses, but that they've been dealing with Stafford started out the year hurt and has really struggled and then was is hurt now. And then they lost Cooper Cup. Uh, Allen Robinson never really took off. They had running back issues in the running back room, figuring out who was going to be the top dog. Uh, they lost Odell Beckham. You know, he's still a free agent out there but uh, he hadn't played any football especially for them uh, they lost Von Miller who's now hurt with the Bills but um, it, 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 like you said everybody's just kind of been waiting on it it's been a wow they were still mathematically in this you know kind of last week but yeah uh, no no surprise with the way their season has gone and so we'll, we'll kind of see how it goes from here for them they got a <laughs> they got some questions they gotta answer yeah, Aaron Donald almost retired last offseason, so this might be the one he does. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. After seeing, you know, kind of what they did, he'd be like, all right, well, I don't really feel like doing this anymore. I mean, he could go somewhere else, too. Um, you know, try to go to kind of kind of like what Vaughn did, kind of ring chase a little bit. Um, I mean, because there's teams out there that would be willing to pay him money to come play for them, uh, you know, on their defensive line. Um, so he can chase a ring. Um, oh, 100%. I mean, and, and the guy's only like 31 or 32. He's only been in the league for nine or 10 years. And I think he had to be in the league for 10 years to qualify for the Hall of Fame. So he's got to play one more for that Hall of Fame thing. But, um, you know, if, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. Like he said, he can he can ring chase and uh, he'll, he'll just be able to I think he'll be able to ring chase and just kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah. Let's here. Speaking of chasing rings while you look that up, it took the Chiefs overtime to beat the Texans. And I just got to say, for a team that is considered a powerhouse in the, in the National Football League, that we expect to make it far in the playoffs, to make a deep run, um, you're not seeing, I'm not seeing anything anywhere on Twitter, anywhere about the Chiefs needing overtime to beat the Texans. But yet last week, 
when the Cowboys had to score a game-winning drive to beat the Texans, it was everywhere. The Cowboys struggled against the Texans. They looked terrible. Blah, 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 blah. But yet, the Chiefs, nothing. Okay, well, two things. One, uh, Aaron Donald has two years left on his contract, so he can't ring chase yet. But looking at the numbers, he'll be easy to trade off if he wants out. Two, the reason being, Patrick Mahomes is the NFL's just like darling child. Like, there's like, he can do no wrong. Like, there's no wrong that that man can do. Uh, and on the flip side of that, um, and I fall into this category, it's easy to hate the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and so, um, so, yeah, I mean, the Cowboys are going to automatically get more hate because I'm not the only one. And I'm not even in your division. And your division is um, it's kind of crazy when you look at it. Uh, Eagles yeah. fans are horrible. Um, sorry, <laughs> Eagles fans out there, but they are horrible. They're, they just, man, they boo their own guys and, and throw stuff on the field and all kinds of stuff. So, of course, they're going to be horrible to Cowboy fans. Giants fans. They're kind of rough, you know. Um, they just uh, – they don't have a lot of positive going on for them. And um, commanders, man, they have – I don't even know what to say about that whole franchise. So, uh, but, yeah, it's it's easy to hate the Cowboys. Uh, you, you got rivals all over the place, um, you know. Yeah. Super Bowl rivals like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So, you have a lot of Steelers fans that don't like you and uh, – a lot of people not big fans of Dak Prescott. That's me. So when uh, when he's out there asking for forty some million dollars on a contract, anytime he fails, it's like you know that that meme where it's like showing up to my haters' funeral to see that he's actually dead or whatever. You know, just just kind of <laughs> you know hating on him and, and being able to gloat in that. But um, it's it's easy to hate the Cowboys and like I said, the Chiefs with Mahomes, they can't do anything wrong. They just can't. No matter what's yeah. going to happen. Yeah, that's fair. That's uh, I won't disagree with that. And uh, I mean, like you said, the Cowboys get a lot of hate, you know, um, all over the place, even from their own fans. And I've seen a lot of it this week about Prescott throwing interceptions. And look, yes, he's having a he's having a year where he has thrown a lot more interceptions this year already than it seems like normal. So I understand the hate, but I went back and watched some uh, some recaps of some of the games. Um, and I counted like seven or eight interceptions that hit off of our receiver's hands. I mean, square in the hands should have been caught balls that popped up and were intercepted. I mean, you catch those balls. Are we even having those? Are we even having this conversation about Dak Prescott and his interception problem this year? Probably not. Um, no, probably not. But you still got to look at the numbers, and it's like yeah, ten interceptions since week seven. Uh, which is pacing the league. Um, uh, what, what was the stupid number I saw? It was like, um, or no, maybe I'm thinking of Brady. I'm thinking of Brady's number, but it's it's uh, the stat I saw on Brady. It's is, but it's Dax just got. He has had a, had a lot of bad luck. I mean, you can argue that the Noah Brown pick uh, pick six from overtime should have been caught, mm-hmm. uh, and I had this debate with somebody earlier talking about this about but he was going to the ground had a defender all over and you can't put it a hundred percent on him you can't put it on can't really put any of it on Dak at that point but um you know it's, it's just it's bad luck I guess and uh, yeah. but uh I am I am a Dak hater so I love watching it just all unfold <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we we know that and uh you know it is what it is. But anyways, to something, I guess, positive, if you want to call it positive. I mean, they won the game, um, but the Vikings completed the largest comeback in NFL history this week, being down 33 to nothing at halftime and winning 39 to 36 in overtime over the Colts. Uh, a lot of the first half, there's a lot of uh, bad officiating. I can't put it all on that, but there was there were some iffy calls uh, and, and non-calls in the first half and uh, Kirk Cousins didn't look good. I'll, we'll go back to something we talked about uh, a little bit before. Kirk Cousins in primetime is just trash and that was the first half of the Vikings. Kirk Cousins was, was primetime trash. It just it just happens. I, I don't understand it uh, but the second half they looked tremendous 
Mm-hmm. Uh, the Colts defense was flying all over the field in the first half, doing everything they needed to, you know, making the plays and, and, and everything, and getting the ball back. And, uh, and who knows, probably in the second half, it wouldn't have happened if they if the Colts would have had uh, Jonathan Taylor to, to kind of milk some of the clock and stuff. But um, in the second half, the Colts defense didn't play like they did in the first half. And Kirk Cousins and Jettas and, and them boys, they got it going. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was definitely crazy to see the the flip switch, uh, you know. But um, I think if they would perform like that all game, like they would just be unstoppable. Like we would really look at this Vikings team and say they're gonna win it all this year. But you don't know what Vikings team you're gonna get if you're gonna get first yeah. half or you're gonna get second half. Yeah, and you don't know what it's gonna look like in the playoffs either. Because honestly, a team. A team that's never out of a game that can step in and and uh, and compete at any moment of time uh, like that. That literally they were out of the game and to come back in the second half and back in it went in overtime. That's a scary playoff team. And being able to know that you can battle through that adversity is going to help them a lot when it comes to playoff time. Yeah, you're not going to get a, a Vikings team that's going to be oh man we're down and they're going to hang their heads and. And be out of it. They've been in some, you know, some crazy games, and it's like, like you said, it's we're gonna get good Vikings or bad Vikings, and most of the time, though, like even in those bad games, we'll, you'll see it late that the good Vikings are in there. And um, I think if I think if they do half of what they did in the second half and do it in both halves, I mean, you're looking at a, a championship team. Granted, on the other side, they're gonna have to beat the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, you know, yeah. when they get to the Super Bowl, either one of those teams, and good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the playoff picture. If it started today, um, so your AFC division winners, if it playoff started today, would be the Bills, the Bengals, the Titans, and the Chiefs. Your wild card spots would be the Ravens, the Chargers, and the Dolphins. Sounds pretty. Sounds pretty cool. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. But here's where it gets interesting. The NFC division winners, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Bucks, and the 49ers. And the wild card spots are the Cowboys, the Giants, and the Commanders. <laughs> That's uh, it's kind of crazy when you think that the whole uh, NFC East there is, is in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and I saw something on Twitter that that goes with this, talking about the playoff quarterbacks. In the AFC, every single quarterback that if the playoff started right now would be playing were all first-round picks, all of them. Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Tua Tagovailoa, all of them first-round draft picks. But when you look at the NFC, there's only one first-round draft pick out of all of them, and that would be Daniel Jones. He was drafted number six overall. Everybody else, Jalen Hurts, second-round draft pick. Kirk Cousins, a fourth-round draft pick. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick in the draft. Tom Brady, sixth-round draft pick. Dak Prescott, fourth-round draft pick. And Taylor Heineke, undrafted. Hmm. Mm-mm-mm. That's, uh... That is that's crazy, kind of crazy to point out. Uh, and, and looking at the rest of this, I'm looking at the picture now myself. I'm uh, just kind of looking at a graphic, whatever. Like, like if you when you said that, I was like, is that right? Is that right? 100. That is like, that's right, and that's crazy. You know, just just <laughs> and looking at it, the NFC side, all the first round guys are on the outside. Yeah, Geno, Golf, <clears throat> Darnold. Jameis or, or Andy Dalton, either one. That's yeah, that's wild. Yeah, mm. it, it's crazy to think though that these teams are having this kind of success. You know, and people talk about how the quarterback has to be great. The quarterback has to be great, and I don't disagree with that. But man, you, we're looking at a at a at a draft coming up that has some stacked quarterbacks that people are talking are going to go in the first round. But you look at the NFC side of things, and only one of them went in the first round. 
how do you, I mean, how does that your mental state of when do we draft a quarterback? Uh, okay. I, here's here's my thing. Like looking at these guys in the NFC, you have to consider that. Okay, the, the AFC it makes sense. They're all first rounders, and they've done what they're supposed to. You know, the NFC side, these guys they got to look at that. Um, like Hurts, second rounder, practically a first rounder. Uh, you know, if you get a quarterback in the first two rounds, like you're expecting success out of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Kirk was drafted as RG3's backup. There was no way he was supposed to be anything. Uh, and, the, and the fact that it's turned out and worked out was really good. Uh, you know, the fact that the Redskins slash Washington football team slash commanders, whatever you want to call them, went out there and drafted RG3 and Kirk in the same year meant that they had some belief in Kirk Cousins if RG3 didn't work out. You know, Purdy... Not supposed to be there, but and they have, but they have a first round guy and in Lance, and they've got Jimmy G that got hurt. Uh, Cowboys, Dak Prescott's another one of those exceptions, you know, a, a, a mid rounder guy that's actually really worked out pretty well. Tom Brady's the freaking goat. The Patriots just, yeah, got lucky. Hey, you know, it's, it's just one of those things. He got lucky. Daniel Jones, should he have been a first rounder? <laughs> Question mark. Um, and then Heineke's another one of those guys that, that the commanders kind of got lucky with bringing him in. Um, like you said, there's a lot of these first-round guys in this this next draft that are just – they're crazy. And I think that every single one of these guys, you know, these teams, most of these teams in the NFC should be looking at that. They should be looking at a first-round guy. Yeah. If the Buccaneers can, can grab a – um, a Tanner McKee or a Will Levis, you know, late, or even a Hendon Hooker in round two, they're going to be in a good spot. Commanders, if they can grab one of those first-round guys, you know, one of those guys I just said there late in the first round, that'll be great. Or if they trade up and, and grab a Stroud or a Young or, you know, whoever, however it works out, uh, they teams should still 100% be all over every first-round quarterback because AFC side, the guys that are just on the outside are Mac Jones, first rounder Zach Wilson first rounder Trevor Lawrence first rounder uh the Browns have Deshaun Watson don't really care but Deshaun Watson's a first rounder uh you know I, I definitely where you draft your quarterback is very very important yeah well, just wanted to just wanted to hear your thoughts on on that and kind of see what you kind of see what you said but saying that let's hear your boom and bust player of the week this will probably be the last one of the season uh, as playoffs start to get closer. Teams tend to rest their players um, for playoffs. Um, so this will probably be the last one of the season. So let's hear who you got. Uh, boom. I had a couple of guys come to mind. Um, <laughs> one of them, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and he's not my player of the week, just because we should all know it's going to happen. And it happened once earlier this year. Derrick Henry has got the luck of the draw again, and he gets to face the Texans. He absolutely 100% owns the Texans defense. So if you even considered maybe not starting Derrick Henry in your league or whatever, which would be ridiculous, uh, Derrick Henry is going to win you a, a playoff game. Derrick Henry is going to set you up right here in a pretty good spot. If you're in a must win and still make your playoffs or whatever, Derrick Henry is your guy. He's going to put up a bunch of points. Uh, but my big, my boom uh, player of the week is going to be Dalvin Cook. He's got a tremendous matchup. He's trending in the right direction the last couple of weeks. Um, and so, uh, easy peasy. Um, he's going to do him and the Vikings. Like you said, they put up stupid uh, stupid points this last week with the Colts in the second half. And uh, the Packers, um, <clears throat> not the Packers, the Giants defense is not that good. Um, and so he's he's definitely your guy to watch uh, this week. Uh, so Dalvin Cook is the boom player of the week. Uh, I'm going to give you two bust players of the week. Uh, and they're both coming from the same matchup, and that's the Cowboys-Eagles matchup. Um, don't start Miles Sanders or Ezekiel Elliott. Both defenses are great up front and uh, great at slowing down the run. So both of those guys are going to struggle, especially uh, Zeke Elliott with with Tony Pollard getting a, you know a lion's share of the touches as well. Uh, so it's, it's a true two headed beast over there, and, and Zeke's going to 
Pollard's got the speed, and so he'll be the guy to start out of the two because uh, he can get to the outside, and, and that's really where Philly struggles in covering the run. Zeke is a between-the-tackles guy, and, well, Philly's good up front. So uh, Zeke Elliott Miles Sanders are the bust players of the week. All right. All right. I uh, I don't uh, I don't disagree with that uh, to be honest. Um, which thank the Lord T Higgins was fully healthy last week, so he should be healthy this week because I had to start Zeke last week and he ended up doing good. But boy, was I sweating it for this week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that's good. That's good. Well, you heard it here. The last boom and bust players of the year. Let's see if Todd uh, gets it right. Um, and that ends our overall talking about the NFL this week. We're going to move into the World Cup. Um, it is over. It has been completed. But we're going to talk about some reactions and just some comments of our own. So, Todd, what, what, what's something that stood out to you in this World Cup? Uh, I, there's tons of things that, you know, you could just say positives for just about every squad. Um, but the big thing that you would agree with, uh, and, and honestly, the most important thing that I think that came out of this uh, World Cup was Messi finally got that World Cup victory. Uh, I, I feel like he has cemented his spot as um, as the greatest of all time in that discussion. Uh, and it's it's just it's it was a beautiful sight seeing him get to actually hold the trophy and just you know I, I think it's what the world needed you know just to to just to see that. I know that there's Ronaldo fans out there that are going to be haters, but. It, it, it was great to see, and, it, and I'd predicted it going into it that Argentina was going to win, but it's great to see it actually unfold that way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, on the flip side, you know, France, the team that they played, um, you know, Mbappe, we know that he's a star, but man, to see him score a hat trick on the world stage of a final um, is, is amazing. And he just turned 24, um, I think today, actually. Um, which would be the 20th. Um, but to see a young yeah, star... Yeah, he turned 24. Yeah. <laughs> but to see a young star like that, who we know is good, but to continue to perform at such a high level and then on a world stage in front of the entire world, 20-plus million people watching, you know, 85,000 people in the stands watching, it, it just shows you that he's going to continue to be great. The thing that I want to know, and I'm going to go away from the World Cup for a second, is can Mbappe and Messi and Neymar bring something to PSG that PSG has been trying to get for so long, and that is a Champions League trophy? Can this success translate to their club level? And I'll jump back to World Cup in a minute, but I just one of my buddies presented this question to me. And I thought it was very, very interesting because when you have talents of Mbappe and Messi and Neymar up front, you gotta win the big club trophies. Oh yes, and I think um, that uh, that the big problem so far has been that they're not really, um, they haven't really uh, gelled. I guess uh, you know because, like you said, that's three huge stars. And I think, realistically, uh, in, in terms of Messi and Mbappe, that you saw that that they really learned that they uh, don't have to do it all. Granted, Mbappe pulled out a hat trick in the final. Um, and he scored eight goals in a World Cup, but he was doing more than just scoring. If you watched his game, mm-hmm. he was doing way more than just scoring, and he wasn't he wasn't getting frustrated not having the ball and. Um, and he stepped up when he needed to, and I, I really think that PSG going forward can uh, they can definitely uh, succeed off of that. Um, and I think that they all right. So they're in the last leg of sixteen. Their first leg is against Bayern Munich. Okay, yeah that that one's gonna be a tough matchup. Yeah, um, yeah, because they're in the last leg of sixteen. So you got Bayern Munich, Tottenham still alive. Um, Chelsea still alive. Uh, Napoli, Liverpool, Real Madrid, who Liverpool and Madrid actually play each other. So one of those will be out. My guess will be Liverpool um, just because Madrid is just good. Um, then okay, the hate. In, you, you're right. Inter and Man City. <laughs> Inter and Man City are still alive. Um, 
Yeah, so you still got some powerhouses obviously alive in the Champions League, um, as it should be. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't think it's impossible. No, definitely not. Uh, not at all, especially with what we saw from the, the World Cup stage. Neymar did pretty good of uh, kind of taking a step back and letting some other guys um, step up and do everything that they need to. And, uh, you know, Messi did a good job of that. And, and Messi still showed that he was able to take control, step up when he needed to. And and so uh, definitely think PSG can do it. Um, it's I don't think it's necessarily so much uh, worried about the front three there. I think it's everything behind them. Uh, so I, I think PSG could do it. They really could. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's jump back to the World Cup for a minute. And I want to give huge props to Morocco, um, first of all, or second of all, because they showed up and they showed out. They did not do at all what I thought they were going to do. I thought that they were going to be a team that set back 11 players behind the ball and just tried to defend their goal for 90 minutes. Um, tried to take every game they could to the final whistle, to PKs, um, and try to win that way, and they didn't. Yes, they set back and defended some, but they attacked, and they went after it, and they scored goals, and they showed that these teams that you don't hear a lot about, these countries, can come in and they can show out. And I got to applaud them for that. Oh yeah, it's it's always great to watch a Cinderella, you know, make a run and but to get to the third place game as truly the Cinderella of of you know, the knockout stage, uh, it's it's tremendous. They like you said they did just did a good job of playing their own game, uh, going out there and doing what they planned on doing and it worked it worked out really really well. And unfortunately, you just run into to, you know, France and it's <laughs> You know, you can't do much about that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, speaking of World Cup, um, I want to kind of move into some thought-provoking questions um, to kind of get us to the end of our episode. Um, we're going to talk about other things as well. Uh, but since we're on the topic of World Cup, I want to bring this up. Um, there was a lot of talk during the World Cup about if the USA played our best athletes, then the world wouldn't stand a chance. They would not stand a chance against our best athletes in the World Cup. And so here's something I want to I give to you because I want to hear your thoughts. Is the fact we watched Messi and Luka Maldrick, and you've probably seen this on, on Facebook or Twitter or whatever, but we watched Messi and Luka Maldrick perform at such a high level, take their teams, Messi obviously ending up winning it, but taking their teams to the Final Four, both of these guys are 5'10 and 5'9 or 5'10 and 5'11, something like that, okay? If these guys stepped onto a sports field in the USA, they would have been shunned away at a young age. And if you disagree with that, you know, tell me. But I believe that they would have been shunned away at a young age from anything because of how small they are. It, do you, I, I do disagree with that. Um, for the, for the one uh, fact of, uh, do you know who the third highest guaranteed overall contract in Major League Baseball is right now? It would be Jose Altuve. Wrong. It would be five Dang. foot, nine inch Mookie <laughs> Betts. And so, so close. <laughs> yeah. So Mookie's five foot nine. Uh, but Altuve is another great example, but he's he's not an American. He's, um, you know, whatever. But, uh, but still, uh, you know, he came over here and he's playing baseball in America. Um, I I would be you know I'd be willing to argue that um, you know but but would you consider Messi and Luca Maldrick one of our best athletes I think is really what uh, maybe is what I'm trying to get at is you know people are saying our best athletes would just run all over um, people in the World Cup um, you get what I'm saying yeah yeah I get what you're saying I think if you know if they had been uh, trained for these other things, then probably yeah. But soccer is a different beast in the sense of, or football, whoever was listening, whatever, is a, is a different beast in the sense of these guys. They start and they leave home to do these things. They enter these these academies and um, and, and and leave their countries at an extremely extremely young age. You know, you're talking 15, 16 year olds joining these soccer academies. 
Mookie didn't do that. Mookie was still playing high school ball at 15 and 16. Um, Derrick Henry didn't do that. He was playing high school football at 15 and 16. Um, you know, uh, it, we see it with uh, Luka Doncic coming over here and dominating at an extremely young age because things internationally, international sports like that, they're completely, completely different. And I I don't know that, that Modric and, and Messi could come in here and compete and be one of our best athletes. I don't know that Ronaldo could, and he's over six foot. Uh, but you got to... I think you got to factor in other things. Took our best athletes, regardless of, of height or, or, or size here. Like Mookie can do anything. That man can dunk a basketball. He can throw a football 40, 50 yards easy. Like it's ridiculous. And I mean, he gun runners out from 400 feet away uh, with no crow hop and, and stuff. And if he had been trained in soccer, could he have been? Could he be an elite athlete like that? Probably. Could Derrick Henry be, you know, an elite athlete like that? Probably. You know, uh, could could LeBron have been in, you know, an, an elite soccer goalie or something? I don't know where where you would have played him, but it can happen. Um, do I think that Messi and Modric could come over here and compete and be elite, uh, you know, top tier athletes in a sport? Um, I, I they probably could have. Um, I mean, we know that. They would come over here and dominate Major League Soccer, um, even at the age that they're at. So I, I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting debate, and the thing with the whole debate with me is from the American side of it, saying our best athletes, everybody points to football, but there's tons of other sports, and so I think that's where the debate really comes up with is that everybody just Americans are stupid and we focus on one thing. <laughs> yeah. I, I I would agree with that, but it's just it's interesting to me. Uh, like you said, we focus on one thing, and um, we try to say our best athletes. But like you said, you know these these players have been training, um, you know, for this. And I think that you take every athlete has their sport, um, and I don't think you can say our best athletes because they're not necessarily our best athletes. They're just our best athletes in that specific sport. Exactly, um, exactly. It's not every day that you see guys that can dominate multiple sports. Like I said, Mookie Betts could have gone pro in anything. You know, we can look back at guys like uh, like Deion Sanders and and Bo Jackson that just they dominated multiple sports. It doesn't happen that often. Um, and so, yeah, like, you know, could Messi have dominated multiple sports? Probably. Could Modric have dominated multiple sports? Probably. But not at the professional level. I don't I don't think so. And you know, same thing can be said about um, our other guys. Like, I don't know that I would truly want to see, you know, Clay Thompson or or, or Patrick Mahomes or uh, you know or uh, Cody Bellinger or whoever out there running around trying to play another sport. Because, yeah. like you said, they're they're good at what they do now, and it's and so who knows? Who knows? It's it's, yeah. a, it's an interesting debate, and it's something that's always going to come up. Like the oh, goat yeah. debate, can we yep. truly compare? Can we truly compare with with the goat stuff? Probably not. Soccer, I think, is the easiest sport to compare the goat because, yes, the eras are different, but they're not like tragically different. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's move back to football for a minute. Let me set the scene. Okay, the year is twenty nineteen. The score is 20 to 22 minutes left in the NFC Championship game to go to the Super Bowl. The Saints have the ball as the Rams try to get a stop. First down, incomplete. Second down, run for no gain. Timeout taken by the Rams. Third and 10, the pass is to Lewis on the sideline. Broken up, or was it? Some would argue this is the biggest missed no call in the NFL. Others would say it was such a small window of time between the hit and the ball getting there. Was the no call correct? Did it rob us? Did it rob us of having a great Super Bowl matchup between Drew Brees and Tom Brady? Oh yes, one hundred percent. It could have been one of the most historic, probably one of the most, um, what's the word here? Like achievement-filled Super Bowls of all time. And in, in looking at you know MVPs and, and records and and just the overall accolades about those guys. And I think it was a horrible missed call. I mean, blatantly. I mean, we saw it in real time and you were like, Oh dang, they missed that. And then you watch the replay in slow motion or not in slow motion. And you realize, 
holy crap, they really missed that. They robbed us. They really did. It was horrible. The whole thing was it was it was bad. It shouldn't have happened. Um, and, and like you said, the Super Bowl um, matchup that we would have had would have been it, it would have been I, I don't want to say great, but it would have been it would have been electric and all the hype around it and all the you know debates for the rest of history and and all kinds of stuff. It would have been great. It would have been just flat out perfect i think and we got robbed of that opportunity 100 yeah yeah i would agree i was just uh scrolling youtube uh the other day and this and this uh game popped up and so i watched kind of like the 15 minute highlights from it um and was like man this would be a really good like talking uh point because this was towards the end of drew Brees' career as well um like this could have been drew Brees going out with the bang over tom brady winning a ring um, you know, that type of thing. Drew Brees riding off into the sunset. Um, and instead, that, you know, that happened. Uh, he got he got cracked. Yeah. And and it sucks. It really does. You know, it, it's something that we're going to look at for a long time. And it's going to, you know, it's going to be one of those things that just, like you said, it happened at the end of his career. He missed that opportunity. It's going to be something that, that tags along and it's going to be, Oh man, Drew Brees only played in one Super Bowl. He only won one Super Bowl. Okay, maybe he should have got a second shot. Maybe I think he probably deserved a second shot. I know deserves kind of a big word there, but uh, when you look at the rest of his accomplishments and what he has done, I, I do think Drew Brees deserved that second shot. Yeah, and I think it. I think I don't think that it was necessarily that the ref might have missed the call. I think it might have been a, a blatant um, game fixing situation. Um, as a lot of people have started pointing out that the NFL is n- not a registered business or an entertainment company so that they can legally fix games. They can do things like that, not face repercussions. And I think that might've been what they were doing. I, I don't know. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, it was, tr- it was a missed opportunity and I think the NFL and the referees screwed us out of it. Yeah. 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 It's uh, definitely something that I think people will talk about for a long time. Um, But let's go to another hypothetical scenario. Um, And this is one that I know that you're going to love to talk about um, because it's the Broncos. The Broncos, the Broncos traded Drew Locke, Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, the number nine overall pick in 2022, the number 40 overall pick in 2022, a 2023 first round pick, which is currently looking at being the number two overall pick, a 2023 second round pick, and a couple more late round picks in 2022. As a Broncos fan, and knowing what you know right now, would you have made that trade still? If I knew what was coming, um, probably not. But hindsight is 2020, so I, I'm going to say probably not because looking at the draft class this year, there's tremendous options with with Stroud and and Levis and. Um, Bryce Young and who I'm not that high on. I'm not that high on Bryce Young, but um, it, it, it's definitely a missed opportunity. Um, and we could have used um, <clears throat> we probably you know we could have used that number nine pick last year. That would have been great. Um, but at the same time, oh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. I'm looking at the Broncos' uh, last three years, um, their records. In 2019, 2020, they went 7-9. and nine. In 2020, 2021, they went 5-11. and 11. And last year, they went 7-10. and 10. Um, So you take, you know, the best record there. We'll, we'll say 7-10. and 10. Um, If you were to have that same record this season, you're looking at a top 10 top 15 draft pick um you know have had you not have made that trade um this year instead you're looking at nothing well i mean we're still gonna get the niners first round pick but that's getting worse and worse as freaking nick bosa and brock purdy and the 49ers keep winning but um yeah i know it it sucks. It really does. But at the same time, Russell Wilson just, you know, just showed flashes of what he could be, uh, what he's supposed to be. And maybe there has been a lingering 
um, injury issue with, with his thumb or whatever. I don't know. When I know he's been dealing with the hamstring and gosh, I don't, I'm going to say no, I would not have made the deal, but at the same time, uh, I say we should revisit this in two to three years <laughs> to make the final decision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously time will tell how it works out and things like that, but um you know, just I looking mean, knowing that the Seahawks are probably going to get Will Anderson is it's irritating because Will Anderson is just that kind of difference maker on the outside, and that's probably I don't think they're going to take a quarterback because Geno has been more than serviceable at this point, and I think that when they get a fully healthy offense next year, I think they're just going to bulk up the defense with the draft this year, and and you don't pass up on a guy like Will Anderson at two because the Texans are taking a quarterback at one, so. Yeah. Yeah. It's just uh it's crazy just to think about though what 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 could have been and what is right now. Um, but it's also crazy to think about what could be um should that Russell Wilson that we know um come back and perform with a healthy Cortland Sutton, a healthy Jerry Judy. Um, you know, that defense is is good. Um, you know, so to have the offense come and and compete like we know that they can do for Javante Williams to come back and to be healthy. You know, that Tim Patrick, you cannot forget about Tim Patrick, man. I know he ain't played a single snap this year, and I think that has a lot to do with our problem because Patrick was a leader on offense and he was a great voice to have. And I, I miss TP Streets, man. Yeah, but but like you said, to have everybody healthy, man, what what difference will that make next year? Um, and I think it's going to be interesting to watch the transition from this year to next year and to really see actually how Russ, um, takes over the offense um, to see if Hackett is gone, uh, to see maybe if Hackett is still there, but he's no longer calling plays, if that's kind of more in Russell Wilson's hands, um, being on the field play caller, um, you know, what that looks like. Because um, all those things can make all the difference in the world. Um, I, I have a feeling Hackett's still going to be there because the NFL just sent that memo out that teams have spent $800 million on firing uh, coaches and high-level executives over the last five years, which is kind of crazy, but that's, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so I, I have a feeling that Hackett will still be there. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. All right. So here is another thing. It's football related, and then we're going to move out of football. Um, a crazy trade or signing that you would love to see an NFL team or multiple NFL teams make this offseason. It can be realistic or outrageous. I'll give you mine. I'll give you mine while you think. Okay. Mine is Deontay Johnson. He is a free agent after this year, unless he signs an extension, obviously, with the Steelers. Um, but I don't see that happening, but yeah. He is a free agent this year. You know who would benefit really well from another very good wide receiver? The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I knew I knew that was coming. <laughs> weird, weird how we traded away Amari Cooper for absolutely nothing, and C.D. Lamb is still balling out this year, and he's got. And don't get me wrong, Michael Gallup is a good wide receiver. Okay, I'm not saying that he's not, but he's got Michael Gallup on the other side. Okay, you put Deontay Johnson, somebody that's got good hands, big body, with C.D. Lamb in there, and Michael Gallup. Oh my gosh, you put C.D. Lamb back in the slot, Michael Gallup and Deontay Johnson on the outside. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, let me type this up before I say what my answer is. I got to type this up so I don't screw this up because it's okay. going to be kind of – it's going to be out there. Well, that's that's what this question is all about, getting, getting oh, out yeah, there. Oh, yeah, 100%. But um, I will say one more uh, that I think would be um, an interesting, an interesting uh, I guess, sign – um, would be Tom Brady to the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that would be kind of, yeah. He's a free agent after this year. Um, San Fran is home. Um, looking to go back home. The 49ers are stacked, um, which is what Brady needs now at his old age. Um, but, I mean, just think about it. Tom Brady returning home, winning a Super Bowl, and retiring. It just fits the narrative so well yeah 100 percent. okay let's see uh one more thing you want outlandish dude i'm about to give you the most outlandish this is what i want to happen like 
deal in the world. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so the Broncos trade. It's going to be a three-team trade. Okay. Okay. The Broncos Gardner and the Cowboys second round pick this year. The Cowboys get Jerry Judy, a Broncos second round pick in the future, a Jets fourth rounder, and the Jets get Ezekiel Elliott, Baron Browning, uh, which he's been a solid uh, linebacker for us. A Cowboys fifth rounder and a Broncos fourth rounder. So now the Broncos are going to march Sauce Gardner and Patrick Sertan out there on defense. Ain't nobody throwing the ball nowhere. And then we get a second rounder to help us beef up. The Cowboys get a solid receiver in Jerry Judy, who I think needs a new place to land. And he's from the same draft class as uh, C.D. Lamb. So there's your your two receivers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they get a fourth rounder from the Jets. And uh, and the Broncos' future pick, and then which if the Broncos are horrible, that pick gets really good. And the yeah. Jets get a running back, a power running back to pair with Brees Hall. They get and they get a couple picks and a linebacker. I I know the Jets are going to say no because they don't want to give up on Sauce, but I feel like it's a really good pick for everybody around. Yeah, that's and that's what I was going to say is taking sauce from that Jets defense that has been amazing this year um, is probably the hardest part there. Um, oh, yeah. The second and, hardest and, part, I think the second hardest part, though, would be the Jets taking on Zeke's crazy contract. Um, I, I think maybe the Jets might ask for a little more. Um especially taking away sauce and taking on a heavy contract. But as a Cowboys fan, I'm not a, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that <laughs> at all. I, I'm okay. I like the Zeke Pollard combination. I really do. It has worked out really well. Um, but Pollard, I think can be that guy for at least the next couple years. We can draft well, somebody can. to come in with him. Um, or we could sign like Jamal Williams, who's going to be a free agent if we get. That's exactly what I was fixing to say. Was he hired <laughs> a guy that's that's not? He doesn't demand touches, but he makes the most out of what he gets, and that's that's Jamal Williams. I was just fixing to say that. <laughs> you know, and, and and probably be cheaper than keeping Zeke around. Um, oh yeah, we get a good-handed wide receiver to pair with Zeke and Gallup and Jerry Judy. I, honestly, I'm not opposed to that. I really like that, to be honest. Yeah, and, and I knew Sauce would be the hardest part, uh, but he was just the first guy that really just kind of jumped out to me. And I, and, you know, I'm thinking about the way that PS2 has been locking down people, and then Sauce has been a. I mean, nobody. Sauce had zero targets. They didn't throw at him this last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like, who's going to throw the ball on the Broncos defense? Uh, nobody is. Yeah. And then uh, the other, my other thought was with the still with the Jets is that. Um, Instead of sauce, we could throw Quinn and Williams in there, and we just get a big old defensive tackle to plug up the run, which has been an issue for us, which would be fine too. And I think the Jets would be all over that, probably more than sauce. But you said yeah. outrageous, and I want sauce. <laughs> that's no, that's fair. That's fair. I like the uh, I like the thought process behind that, though. I like I like where that's where that's going. Um, maybe we can tag the Dallas Cowboys and the Broncos and the Jets in this little clip. We'll put it up on Twitter, tag them all in it. Be like, hey, just just food for thought. Um, but you know, um, yeah, so let's move out of football. Let's move into some baseball. Um, and a talking point that was actually came up today is Carlos Correa's introductory press conference was postponed after a medical issue was flagged during his medical for the giants. Carlos Correa has only been able to play one season where he's played 150 games, 150 or more games. Um, and I, well, I think he's got had an eight-year career now, and so seven of his eight years he's missed significant time. Uh, with, with I don't want to say significant time, he's missed quite a bit of time with injuries, and like he missed uh, what was that, eighteen I think, or nineteen that he missed. I don't know a month with a back injury, and um, he had all he had COVID this last year, which can't really factor against him, I guess, and the injury thing. Other than he missed games, 
but he had a thumb or a, a finger, a dislocated finger issue that he missed. I don't know. I think like 20 games or something like that. Um, he had he had some hamstring and groin tightness that he missed a couple of games for both of those. Um, who knows what this medical issue is? It could be anything. Uh, but uh, kind of some repercussions from this. I don't know that Correa is going to get the deal that he was expecting to get now, um, unless it's he backs completely out with the Giants. Um, which they don't, nobody has said yet whether or not they're still negotiating with the Giants or if they're restructuring the deal or if there's going to be a second or third opinion with Correa. Um, but if he backs out of the deal with the Giants or the Giants back out of the deal with him, Carlos Correa is probably going to be a New York Met for quite a bit of money. And baseball is screwed at that point. <laughs> yeah, so, that's uh... a. <clears throat> Yeah, it's it's interesting though. I mean, because you're talking about you know uh, such a great player, and I get having the medical concerns, um, but I feel like as a Giants, maybe you approach this instead of backing out. Um, you approach this as a hey, we're going to sign you to a shorter deal, and should you perform, you know, over the next couple of years as we expect you to perform, well then we're going to extend you. You know, that kind of promise maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, they'll probably you don't change lose it up. Where, yeah, you could offer him the same contract. Just say, oh, here after four or five years, we're going to put a team option. If you're not living up and doing what you're supposed to, we'll, we will opt out. Yeah. Um, but if you make it the first four or five years doing what you're supposed to, then then the last uh, – crap, I don't remember how many – he signed for like 13. So, you know, it used to be like the last eight or nine years of your contract are going to be guaranteed. And, you know, you don't have to worry about any more options or whatever after that. So – yeah. There's there's ways that the Giants can approach this and not lose Correa and also keep themselves in this ball game and 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 help themselves out at the same time if everything doesn't work out. And there's a way that the Giants can completely screw this up and Correa is either going to be a Met or a Yankee, most likely a Met because they will give him buku's of money and um, and if he's a Met, baseball screwed because Steve Cohen doesn't care about the the stupid taxes. And you know it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, it's going to be something to watch, though, because, like you said, man, if Correa goes to the Yankees or the Mets, like it's just ball game. Like Yankees would Yankees would be an interesting one with now with Rodon in there with Cole and and, and Judge and because they need a they need a true shortstop um, until some of the uh, young guys kind of take over. Um, and so I, I think Correa would be a really good match with the Yankees. I wouldn't like it, um, uh, but uh, I, I, like I said, I wouldn't like it. But it would be good for him, I think, to have it uh, and, and to be a Yankee. I, I don't like him being a Giant, you know, as much as I don't <laughs> like Xander Bogarts being a Padre. Uh, but it is what it is at this point. And if, if the Giants cannot get better and they miss out on Rodon because they thought they had Correa, that'd be hilarious yeah yeah that would uh well that would be kind of funny i'm not gonna lie um but yeah it'll be interesting to watch um let's move into basketball real quick um anthony davis has a high ankle sprain and will be out three to four weeks um what impact do you think this has on the lakers season as of right now uh i think can't really say much positive about the Lakers other than they've been kind of trending in the right direction. Russ has looked good. I think that's the biggest thing is Russell Westbrook has looked good um, over the last couple of games. Um, and so uh, I don't think Anthony Davis and he just put up a crazy game a couple weeks ago. I'm trying to look at the stats. Um but the Lakers are 12th in, co- in in the Western Conference right now, so they're outside the playoff picture. Uh, there's a lot of basketball left. Russ has been playing really well, so he ought to, you know, him and LeBron should keep them um, in the spot that they're at. I don't think that they're going to get much worse, uh, but I don't think they're going to get much better either. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The game I think you're talking about, uh, two back-to-back games, December second and December fourth. Um, Forty minutes, forty-four points. Um, 
10 rebounds, 10 rebounds and then 38 assists, three blocks and then 38 point or 38 minutes 55 points 17 rebounds one assist and three blocks in back to back or not back to back games but within two days of each other um well yeah and then and then there's a stretch from the ninth through the 13th three games where 30 points and over um 12 rebounds you know uh, yeah so it's but you look between that and he's got an eight point game, a game that he did, or a, a one point game where he played eight minutes, and then a zero point game where he had zero minutes, and then a 10 point game in 17 minutes, and then back to back zeros because of the injury. And so he, he's not AD is not the Anthony Davis that we have watched in the last couple of years, but at the same time, he's been solid for the Lakers and kept them in a good position. and I, I think that they're going to stay pretty much. They're going to hover where they're at. Yeah. Uh, so hover in that 12 to 13 seed range um, until he comes back. Um, but, you know, speaking, I mean, speaking on that, um, you know, now they rely on LeBron to do what we know LeBron can do, but LeBron's 20, uh, you know, has been in the league 20 years. Um, like the man's getting old. Um, I mean, I hate to say it. He's one of the best yeah. players, if not the best player we've ever seen play the game. Um, you know, and that's a different conversation. But now they have to rely on him. And then, like you said, Russell Westbrook, um, who is either hitting five or six threes a game or he's shooting five of 25 from the field. Um, and there's no in between. Um, you know, so it's like, what what team are you going to get? Um and if they don't get the better of that end, I really think you could see them fall down even to the 16th seed. Um, you know, you know, far down in that in that division, um, and their season could be over before it even starts. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like you said, LeBron's in his 20th season. He's still averaging 27 points. Russ has been playing well. I think that this will probably push the Lakers to make a decision on uh, on some kind of trade or something that they're going to have to they're going to have to improve if they want to have the shot of of uh, of getting there um, to uh, of moving out of the spot that they're in um, trying to look at uh, their schedule <clears throat> And on the flip side, uh, this might be uh, you approach a team that's in a position that they can make a move and maybe the Lakers go ahead and sell out and and, and tank here. Um, games, there we go. Let's see, they've got the Kings, who've been kind of playing pretty well of late. I mean, they're in the sixth seed. They've got the Hornets. I don't know how the Hornets have been playing. The Lakers are on the cusp of... of not the Lakers, the Mavericks. Uh, three games from now, Magic. Mavericks are back and forth whether or not they're going to be a playoff team or not. And I don't know what's up with them. I can tell you what's up with them. We've had Luka Doncic for four years and we can't figure out how to build around him. That's what the problem is. <laughs> that This might be your opportunity. Go out and trade for LeBron James. And you won't have to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, then you got the Magic, Heat, Hawks, Hornet, Heat again. So, honestly, looking at this length of the schedule here, you get into the new year is when you're going to get the Nuggets, Mavericks, Sixers, uh, you know, back-to-back-to-back games there over a six-day period. The Lakers have an opportunity to still be really competitive, to still be a really, really good team um, if they can figure it out uh, and don't put everything in, you know, don't put all their stock into Anthony Davis. Um I, but honestly, I feel like they're gonna, probably going to hover. There's going to be a lot of back and forth. If they win one, they lose one. They win two, they lose one, lose two, whatever. Uh, so it sucks for them not having AD. But I also think we're beyond the point that AD is the savior that the Lakers need. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. It uh, it seems like the Lakers made these trades to get LeBron J- or to get Anthony Davis, to get Russell Westbrook. You know, they signed LeBron. You know, because they wanted them to bring a championship and it just hasn't 
like the, you know they got one but it just hasn't been what i think everybody expected it to and now you're coming to the end of the road for these guys and you're stuck paying millions of dollars to these guys and they're not performing they're not doing what you wanted them to do um and it, you're, yeah, they're just in a hard remember, spot uh do you remember just did that when we were in like i don't know like high school or whatever when uh, they had steve nash kobe bryant and dwight howard it's, it's kind of the same situation you bring in these veteran guys to kind of get you to squeak out some championships and a legend this last couple of years and um Granted, this one's worked out a little bit better because they've got one. You know, Nash, Kobe, and, and Dwight didn't. It, they didn't make it happen. But, um, you know, it's, it feels like the same situation where it's all just kind of falling apart. And yeah. Lakers going to have to make some ugly decisions here. Yep. Yep. Well, that's all we have for this episode. Um, oh, Todd, nope. Yeah. I got one more thing to say. I got the, one more thing to say. Then let's and add some more. I'm surprised you didn't say nothing about this. Let's talk about Augusta National stepping up and, and being the person to save or, or the club to save golf and allowing the live players to play in the Masters. I think that's huge. Yeah, uh, I'm actually looking it up right now because I wanted to read into it a little bit more. Um but it's like 16 guys would qualify or something like that. And six of them would be uh, like ranked in the top 25 or something that would have been left out if they yeah. live guys had not been able to play in the masters. Yeah. So you have Bubba Watson, Phil Mickelson, just Dustin Johnson, Sergio Garcia, Patrick Reed and Charles Schwartz, Schwartzel, Schwartzel. Sorry that I butchered your name, sir. Make up six, <laughs> six previous masters championships who would have been who defected from the PGA Tour to LIV Golf Tour. Um, you know, so those are six big names right there that wouldn't have been playing yeah. at all. Um, but I'm trying to read real quick to see if this is just um, like a one-time thing where like since they qualified last year, they can play this year, or if this will be a every year thing to where they can still qualify and compete even though they're playing in the live golf tour um, it's my understanding that this is going to be it's a consistent thing that this is not that the augusta national is not um holding these players out because they decided to make a, a better business decision than what they had going for them I, I and i could be wrong and i could be misunderstanding everything that's coming out but i i personally i think that's huge for golf as a whole you know forcing these forcing the pga to basically play with these live golfers i you know yeah and, and and we've talked about it before when we talked about you know the the two companies going their different directions and stuff like this is needed for golf it's not just uh uh okay the pga is the only you know league that you can play in the live is the only thing you can play in. if you look at every other sport they've got these except for american football they've got these hundreds of leagues to play in and there we go back and forth and you know, it, it, I think it's good. I think it's really good that we get to see the best players on the biggest stage. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and not only that, I mean, since we're talking about it, I, I think that having the PGA Tour and not a live golf tour, having them, you can have more competitions. Like we have Capital One's the match, you know, once or twice a year um, where we see people um, play. Um, you get to see, like this year, we got to see Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods and Roy McIlroy play against Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth. That was fun to watch. Just four guys joking around, having fun, playing golf. But now you can do the same thing where you can do PGA Tour versus Live Golf Tour. Let them oh, trash yeah. talk each other. It, let us enjoy it. But then you also do a serious competition where you have PGA versus Live, where you play for some money, where you play like, for Like the Ryder Cup. Yes, you know, exactly. Something like that, yes. Exactly, like the like the Ryder Cup, the president, uh, yeah, the President's Cup. Um, yes. Yeah, like it, it just introduces more competition that the game of golf needs. And and I think Augusta is the first step into making that happen, uh, yeah. because like like you said, those are six big golfers that were playing in the PGA last year. If you just snatch the top, you know. Look at look at you know. Let's look at baseball because that's something that has a lot of fluctuation with different leagues and stuff. If you grab 
six of the top 20 guys, you know, just snatch them off the top and say they can't play baseball in the Major League Baseball anymore and they have to go play somewhere else because they wanted to make some more money or something, like, that would drastically affect the sport. And that's that's pretty much what's happening. And yeah. it's like, good job for Augusta <laughs> stepping up and saying, no, we're not going to discriminate against those guys, but those guys get the same opportunities because they're the, they're the best golfers. Yeah. Some of the best golfers yeah. in the world. Well, and you're talking about even a name that I didn't mention, but I'm going to mention now, Cam Smith, the world's number one golfer right now in the rankings, would have missed out on Augusta National as well because he went. And to that's live. ridiculous. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like that shouldn't yeah. happen. Yeah, that would be like telling freaking I don't know. Let's let's look at soccer. You know, I mean, like telling thinking Holland. You know, just because you're dominating the Premier League right now, you can't can't play at the World Cup. Like that would have been stupid. You know. Yeah. Well. His country's got to do better if he wants to play at the World Cup, unfortunately. Well, I, yes, I know. <laughs> I do this just, you know, what, what if they but, had said, yeah. what if they had said, Mbappe, you're, you're, you play, you know, for PSG, you can't play in the World Cup. Like, yeah, that would, sorry, that would be stupid. It would be stupid as crap. Like, you can't, you can't say that. Like, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I'm glad that you brought that up because I am glad that Augusta made that decision um, to allow these golfers to play because, like you said, I think it'll force some of the other tournaments to maybe um, kind of come out of their we hate the live golf tour to, okay, maybe we can change things up a little bit and allow these players to play because they are some of the best golfers in the world. Yeah, because honest to God, what is the PGA going to do? Are they going to put sanctions on the people that end up playing with the live guys? Uh, at Augusta, are they going to be like, oh, you played at Augusta with those live guys? We're going to put sanctions on you. No, you're not going to put sanctions on your most important tournament, you know, of, of the yeah. whole year. You're not going to quit playing the Masters at Augusta because you got upset over this. So I think it's Augusta forcing PGA's hand, and I think Liv and Augusta have the upper hand here. Yeah, I would agree. I guess now, since we got everything out of the way, that is all we have for this week's podcast episode we hope that you have a merry christmas enjoy your families and uh, we will see you and you will hear from us very soon after this appreciate it guys have a great week adios